Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on bluenile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this is The Ruck, the only rugby podcast that's actually better when there's no rugby on. <laughs> the country might still be in lockdown, but that hasn't stopped the RFU from extending Eddie Jones's contract to 2023. Is that the right decision for the England team? Newcastle now know that they've been promoted back to the Premiership, but how and when are they going to get this season finished? And more importantly than all of that... Have my co-hosts Owen Slot and Stephen Jones been sticking to self-isolation? Or have they been caught in Richmond Park having a barbecue with 20 of their other hack mates, <laughs> jack mates? Slotty, I thought of you when I, I saw those pictures in Richmond Park. Yeah, that's right near your place, that is. Jonesy, um, the last week, I mean, obviously things have have gotten very serious now. You know, people are clearly not... not, not the minority of people are not listening to uh, the social distancing... Uh, policy Boris Johnson has been taken into hospital and you know it just generally feels like what are we now at the end of week two of lockdown I mean I'm assuming uh, you know you're safely tucked away and 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 uh, adhering to all the rules as you always do I, I am the only thing I can't go shopping because I can never find anything in the, in market, supermarkets or anything like that so they don't send me anyway but listen the thing is with it it's uh when you say, oh, great, you know, only 640 people died yesterday, it's, it's less than the day before, then you think, mm. blimey, that is absolutely, absolutely shocking. You feel so bad for people who are in isolation, um, people who can't even be with their loved ones in, the, in their last moments, and you feel so terrible for for anyone, you know, I was going to say rugby fans, for, for anybody who's mm. who's on their own and you know, you just hope and pray that one day soon the, all the figures will start dropping and uh, we'll get back to normal. But the price, the price that people have paid, has been just just enormous, and feel really bad for them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Owen, we 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 had an address from Her Majesty the Queen yesterday. Um, I mean, obviously. It never takes did you, much. Did you get your own private address, or was this, or, or was that just the one for the whole of the nation? <laughs> well, as you know, it never takes much to uh, to get me emotional, and uh, I was, uh, I, I, well, I was moved actually by not only, I mean, she speaks so eloquently, obviously, but more importantly, you know, the the sentiment, the views, the words she expressed, you know, summing up the spirit of of World War Two, etc. I mean, it was it, it was pretty moving stuff, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm not much of a royalist myself, and I'm married into a family that that likes to to watch the Queen's speech on Christmas Day. And to be quite honest, as far as I'm concerned, that I, I could uh, I could miss every single one of them. But I was very glad I watched yesterday's, and I I did find it very moving, and I did think it was probably an important thing for lots of people. Um, it summed up how lots of people were feeling and it gave people a bit of hope. Yes, her, um, her script writers, whoever they were, got it spot on, really. Um, and just to clear up, Lawrence, I haven't been in Richmond Park because actually we've had a, a little corona kid in my family. My, our 16-year-old uh, had it a bit last week. Um, he's actually, actually fine now. But the result is that we, we've got the 40-day isolation now. Oh. And and uh, we're, we're allowed out for a, for a walk and stuff, but we can't go into any of the shops and uh, certainly don't, don't go near other people. And um, so there's this sort of limited fun um, down, down this end of, of, mm. of my street. Though we did have a, uh, a grand national sweepstake in our street. Uh, we had uh, we had a bunch of different houses c- competing, and my uh, my horse fell at the third or something. So that was pretty much the highlight of the week for me. <laughs> well, nothing changes there, Slotter. You not, you didn't manage to pick the winner then, Lawrence. What I don't like is uh, this thing that you know you've got to keep your own. Uh, views on the royal family or, or, or the lack of royal family and your views on politics. You've got to keep them to the fore when you're discussing 700 people dying and things like that. Someone will still be nameless, we can call him Stuart Barnes, started <laughs> e- extrapolating that Corbyn would have done better in managing the, the coronavirus uh, shambles than the current government. It's absolute rubbish. And only in the sense that you can't break it down on lines like that. And also, Her Majesty the Queen, I actually, my family, quite f- f- fond of it. Me too. I, I quite like listening to her. But the, the idea that just because you hate the monarchy, you should decry what she said yesterday is total rubbish. What? It's utter rubbish. No, well, first of all, the uh, the political point scoring is, you know, now is, is not a time to start doing that at all. I mean, uh, you know, obviously Labour have announced a new leader. Uh, and he's busy, you know, pulling together his cabinet and perhaps trying to to be a, a conscience to the, you know, to the current government in, in in this crisis. But you do feel that people should put that politics to one side and just just move forward in in the right way. And you know, I just thought, just going back to the Queen's speech, you know, to have someone who'd actually addressed the nation in unprecedented times in 1940 uh, with her sister, you know, to 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 do that again in in 2020 is just quite extraordinary. So I think if anyone who's got that kind of experience to summon the, the necessary spirit, you know, to give everyone the necessary lift, regardless of what race, religion, political persuasion you are, I think is. Uh, is magnificent, guys. I mean, just just talking, uh, you know, in, 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 in slightly more down to earth terms. Now, is I mean, is there anything that you <clears throat> from the real world that you really started to miss, Jonesy? I was I was fascinated to learn that you that you're not missing rugby as much as maybe some of us are. That you were damaged in in some ways by some of the things that have happened over the last I don't know six to twelve months in rugby, anyway. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, just 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 tell us a little bit about that. Do you know what? It, it's it's when you look around, you know, we've, we, we've been doing these jobs a, a fair time. Um, you've been involved. We've all been involved since we were, we were kids in rugby in some way. Rugby never, ever progresses, you know. We've been talking about Tier 2 for absolute decades. They're still in exactly the same place. The, the, the self-interest from between each union is unbelievable. I think we're in the lowest, um, just when we needed brilliant leadership. I think that we've got, we we really lack brilliant leaders, 
And to be honest with you, there is so little common ground. There's so little spirit where it, whereby you, 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 you absorb the needs of others as well as your own. It just gets me down. I, I mean, I love rugby. I love the community game. I love my friends. And I love speaking about rugby with you guys. But anyone who thinks it's all going to be sweetness and light when it comes back, is, 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 I'm afraid it won't be. And Owen, um, anything you've particularly missed? I mean, assuming you've allowed your wife to cut your hair rather than, I mean, obviously that's not a, not a conversation I need to have. I get my son just to, just to run the shaver over was, mine. That's a bit of a compliment to me, to, uh, Lawrence. You suggest that, um, that I've got enough that could require a haircut. So I'll go, I'll go with that. Um, yeah, you bitter man, you. Uh, um, uh, yes, I, I miss other people, really. Yeah. I've got a great mate, Gareth, who lives next door to me. Um, who'll be listening to this later, and um, and we, we we can meet for a beer over the fence, and it's one of the it's one of the best one of the best parts of the day or the week. We've done it a couple of times. I I, I stand on my on my on my raised beds, and he sits in his garden on the other side, and we're <laughs> about five meters apart. And, yeah. And um, uh, and, and yeah, and, and, and normally we'd be going to the pub on a Friday night with with you know five, ten other sort of local mates or or, or whatever. Um, I, I miss all I miss all that. I mean, that's I'm, everyone must must be feeling that way. Um, yeah, pe- you know, human beings we we we're born of a of a social bent. Particularly people who listen to this and like rugby. It's a part of the territory, isn't it? And um, I think we're probably a lot of people are discovering that that we're quite resilient. We're also probably discovering quite quickly that, that, that the little cracks that can appear in, in lovely family relationships. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Uh, but yeah, it's society. You know, society's stopped. We 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 become we become little tiny units, and 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 it's hard, and it's testing for everyone. And, and I just hope. It, some people will find that test ludicrously hard to endure, and I just hope hope that that, mm. that the the very large majority get through it the other side in one piece. One one phenomenon of, of this time, and I, you could say I would say this, but newspapers have suddenly come back into fashion in the sense that um, you know they, 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 you, you can't really spend time going out to pick them up now. Our newspapers, the Times and Sunday Times, have uh, we've got big, much bigger sales and a lot of home deliveries because you can now choose to have it at home. And our digital um, numbers have gone off the scale. So you know, and also uh, I feel sort of closer to readers over over that and uh, the way people write in to attack what we said or praise what we said, and and also online. I think um, newspaper readers and the journalists are closer than they've ever been during this coronavirus outbreak. I, mean, I think it's obvious to say, but but clearly when you take away the here and now, which is what this virus has done, you know, we can't celebrate our, you know, every day. You know, there, there's this kind of nostalgic look back across all sorts of things about where, where, you know, where the world was, you know, last week, last month, last year, 10, 15, 20 mm. years ago, particularly mm. for sport. Um, and and obviously there's discussions about looking forward, but but some some of the things that I've really enjoyed is is you know turning on the uh, the TV at the odd the odd time just to look back at some particularly rugby's kind of classic matches. Really, I I spent um, the best part of uh, last week, uh, one day last week, giving a new commentary to to, to a couple of games that, that I'd played in the two European finals, uh, 2004 2007 against Toulouse and Leicester, and. 
and just look at the way the game was played back then. <laughs> did, you, just... did you win the games the second time as well? Uh, I, I think we won them more emphatically the second time. I mean, it's I a sl- if you'd have gone back to the 1999 World Cup, you'd have won that, and certainly yeah. the 2007 World Cup final. Oh no, no, no! Back. Listen, I've erased those from my memory bank. Trust me, they they, they didn't exist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the only way you do it. I mean, it's a slight vanity project, but it was a project that BC Sport wanted to do, and and as I said, had a tremendous amount of enjoyment in in being able to do that even even albeit from from the office in my own room listen gents I, I don't want to move away from the gravity and severity of the of the corona situation and what we find ourselves trying to deal with day to day but but I do want to talk about rugby and some of the things that have happened over the last few days Eddie Jones has signed a new contract do you think Bill Sweeney the RFU chief executive one has made the right decision uh, and two, you know, the, the timing of his announcement. It's very, very odd, you know, because when these big posts come up, Lawrence, you you think, oh, you know, this bloke's got to go, he's got to go. And then you suddenly think, well, who's going to be there instead? And actually, yeah. frankly, I mean, the, their last game, um, or the last game, but two or three was a, was a World Cup final. So, look, I, I, I have no problem with Eddie being reappointed. I think if there had been a brilliant candidate out there who was desperate to do it, I, I, I maybe I wouldn't have thought that, but... You know, it, it is so. There was a heading in the Times the other day that his tenure is a roller coaster, and it has been. But we don't actually want a roller coaster. Uh, when you won the one in two thousand and three, there was no roller coaster. You just won for the last two years before the tournament, and he gets so much wrong. He gets so much wrong in selection. The team is prepared brilliantly one week and badly the next week, and basically he insults people. Now he can put all that right. And he's got three or a bit years to do it. Under that criteria, I'd welcome him back. But I think he's got to do better. I mean, you know, it's funny, isn't it? When when you have press conferences that are that are very bland and very boring, you know, we we all crave uh, the days when Clive Woodward and and he were sort of throwing grenades, you know, out there for for everyone to digest. And Terry Cooper was at the front of the press conference asking the the questions that people really wanted to hear. And then when when the odd bit of controversy does pop up, we're we're quick to jump down Eddie Jones's throat. So where's the balance there then? You've got to the nub of of, a, of an issue that, that we in the um in the media have been struggling with, um, or not struggling with, but 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 yes, um, Eddie is Eddie as a subject to write about has been second to none really for the last four years is never a dull moment barely ever a, a dull press conference uh, when he doesn't want to say anything it's because he's grumpy and he's trying to make a point I mean it's you know he, he is 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 a fascinating um, personality within the sport when he when he does say things and uh, and get his pitch wrong we are obliged to say so that, that that's the job but but at the same time if he if he was to go then we would be losing a lot of color off the back yeah. pages so so we'd have to deal with that and one thing you mentioned Lawrence, about the um about the timing of the announcement is that i, I was slightly surprised that um uh, that, that when the announcement was made on Thursday last week, that, that there were some people going, oh, it was distasteful to announce a, 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 something like this at this time. And you know, I think I think it's right that we're all being very sensitive about what news and what uh, is out there and what's celebrated and what's worth celebrating at the time. But I, I just didn't have a problem with that. The RFU have been in the... In the um, in the process of reappointing him, as we know, ever since uh, early November after the, the last World Cup final, they, they, it, it was sort of inevitably going to happen. 
And I, I didn't really see why it was such a bad thing that there is a terrible thing happening to our country and to the to the to the planet at the moment. But but I didn't see uh, see a problem in in releasing this news and giving people something else to talk about and think about for a while, which is effectively what we're doing on this podcast, isn't it? No, listen, uh, I, I totally agree. Look, Eddie Jones's record is is the highest. He's, he's had the most success of in the history of any England coach. And, and as you say, Stephen, unless there was a you know unless there was a glaringly obvious candidate to to, to even rival him, you know, this I, I think it's a really really good decision. I've got no problem with the timing of it. Um, mm. I think now what we do need to see is is Eddie Jones given uh, everything he needs to to take that next step and, and make you know this this England team one of the best that's ever been. But also, I think the RFU. And Conor O'Shea, you know, and I'm sure that they will be thinking about this, need to get a really proper succession plan in place. Because what we don't want to do is get to the World Cup in 2023, win it, which is what, uh, you know, we managed to do in 03, and then fall off a cliff the following week. So, you know, please, please, please start putting together a succession plan, RFU. You know, don't Mm. just, just sit and be proud of the fact that we've reappointed Eddie Jones, who's a brilliant coach and a good man. Um, and now start to think about the future, and that's that, that's one thing I'd, I'd really, really ask for. Lawrence, can I ask you one? I'd love your opinion on this thing because J- Jonesy mentioned it before, and 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 for me, it's it's the the the, the bit that I, I don't quite get with Eddie is is this consistency thing. It, it, Eddie's very quick after after England <coughs> have had a defeat or, or a bad performance to say, oh, "It's my fault. I've got the preparation wrong." And, um, that's just kind of like a, a, a trick to um, take pressure off the team, etc. And it's kind of I kind of ignore that. But but mm. I I do find it strange that that, that, that England under Eddie have had so many wins, a lot of very big victories. But then every now and again they they'll come out and, and they'll just be they'll just be way off it. They'll be brutally exposed. They, uh, you know, the World Cup finally is is the most obvious one. And can can you, can you as a as a former player who played under lots of different coaches can can you accept that as just part of part of the sporting life that sometimes it doesn't go right or or do you look at Eddie's reign with England and go well probably happening too often or maybe it's happened so many times it won't happen again what, what do you make of all that well I mean statistics are, are misleading sometimes I mean England have, have, have had this sort of incredible consistency uh, and they have won things, and let's not let's not move away from that. They've won a Grand Slam, they've won a title. The apex of their of their success under Eddie Jones, and you've got to remember when he took over, they were rock bottom. They were the first team not to qualify in their own World Cup uh, in in into the into the knockout stages, uh, and he made a pretty uh, immediate impact. The apex of of that of that success was the Grand Slam, and then the wonderful three uh, nil whitewash in Australia of of the Australian team. And I think since then, <clears throat> they've never quite managed to... I mean, they've had some some wonderful victories. You know, the, I think about the, the performance in, in Ireland, in the Six Nations, and the one in, in, in the World Cup against New Zealand. Probably uh, uh, two of the best five performances I've ever seen from any England side, bar none. But they've not managed to sort of reach that apex again in terms of their, the, the, the way that they play. So I know we hear a lot from Eddie Jones. What troubles me a little bit is we don't... We don't hear enough from the senior players. And by that, I mean, you know, the, the strong, forthright opinions of those players, which clearly they have. And I'm sure that they um, they discuss these, the, these you know, these games in, in quite a lot of detail behind closed doors. But I'd love to hear Owen Farrell or Amaro Toji or Jamie George come out, you know, after those games and say, look, 
this isn't good enough from this England team. You know, th- that was unacceptable in terms of our defeat. And it's it's not right. It's nothing wrong with criticising oh, yourself publicly because I think what it does is it, it sends a message to the rest of the squad and to the whole country that you understand that there are consequences of defeat. We can accept that these defeats happen the, the odd occasion. You know, I've, I've been involved in, in several of them. But... Um, uh, on a regular basis, you have to you have to move the team forward, and, and look, I, I think by and large we are doing that, and I think it is the right decision. Um, and you know, I'm quite happy that it's been announced. Just can I just pick up your point there, which I totally agree with. This this England team, if ever an England team in any sport could ever be anonymous. This lot are anonymous, and I feel sorry for the individuals. I mean, I'm sorry to keep on going back to your guys, but you had 15 massive, huge characters in the team, and mm. there are characters in this team, but Eddie is dominating the media so much. They're so terrified of anyone else saying. You've got people like Maruichoji, bright blokes that we never hear from, and it is they who should be setting much more of a tone. Yeah, I mean, there are those that would, that would argue with me that say, look, rugby players are just there to win rugby matches. Matches, but I do think that the that there is a connection that can be made between the, the the players, the the absolute superheroes of this generation, and and the fans themselves. Of course, um, and and rugby is not a sport that, that that naturally lends itself to creating that. It's not like football where you know the fans sing passionately about their what they think about their their, their players. So. You know, I, I do feel that the more you hear from from senior players in the group, the Farrells, the Togis, the Jamie Georges, the Elliot Dennis, whoever they might be, the more that they build that connection with 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 the fans, and particularly at, at times like now, but 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 equally moving forward as well, and 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 to speak to fans in the good times when you've just won, um, but also in the bad times as well uh, when you mm. when you might have lost, and and I do feel that they're that I'd love to see the, the next chapter of Eddie Jones, maybe just a little bit more of that front window being shared by the players because ultimately they're the ones that are going to go out on the field and, and, and do it for England. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times. And it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. Gents, one team that is moving forward, we now know, is Newcastle. They win the championship. 
Uh, the RFU confirmed the final positions in the championship. And of course, they confirmed Newcastle's promotion to the premiership. I mean, what do you, what does everyone think about? It's not just the championship, but also it's up and down the land. They've come up with a, with a mathematical formula. And naturally, and rather unfortunately, there's some winners and losers. I mean, do you think by and large, that was the right thing to do? And it's, it's kind of been handled in the right way. I mean, you do need a, an exit strategy and, and it would appear that uh, that they've come up with with something that is clearly not going to keep everyone happy, but it, it's probably the right thing. Well, they could have just called the season. They could have called the season off basically and said no Premiership and no promotion relegation. We'll we'll carry on. We'll start again next season. But I think that would have been wrong, and that would, that would have been very hard on uh, Newcastle in particular. So I think they had to do something, uh, and I can't really see uh, any problem with the, with the way they worked it out. So. I tell you one thing that I thought was pretty interesting about the outcome is uh, Yorkshire Carnegie um, got relegated from the Championship, which was which was inevitable. But at the same time, Rotherham got relegated from National One to National Two, and that that void of proper rugby in Yorkshire or professional rugby in Yorkshire is just looking worse and worse and worse. And they, they, they've Yorkshire still got Doncaster in. In the in the championship, but that is all that's left. Very worrying. That's the, the thing is, I think it, it is a clumsy way of doing it. It's bringing a huge drawbridge drone with a clunk. It's very clumsy. And, and what I, the teams I feel sorry for are, you know, obviously the, the, the teams. There are teams who who've led or they've done really well throughout the season in all, in every league. But there are always some who come late, either because they deliberately timed it, and there is no uh, capacity for someone to come late. I think they've gone slightly too early. It's stupid saying, "Yeah, we're going to come back on the fifteenth of August," but they could have waited and waited and 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 until they knew genuinely, until the the health authorities have said, "Yeah, you will be able to come back that day," and just see how many games they could get in. I, I feel sorry for so many clubs. Uh, the Premiership is different, but again, I think. Anomalies there too. It is a clumsy, horrible way of doing it, but I have to say, I can't really think of a better one. Just moving on to the Premiership, I mean, clearly there's there's no certainty really around what, what, what's happening across any sport. I see the Premier League have just suspended more fixtures in football, quite understandably. I guess we're no closer to knowing really how the Premiership season might end. Whilst people are losing their lives, quite clearly that you know the safety and and uh, uh, and the lives of people are absolutely paramount. Sport is, is is secondary. But are we any closer to knowing how the Premiership season might end? Um, there's been talk in the uh, Pro 14 about exploring just an idea that when we do get back to some sort of normality, there's just one playoff, the top of Group A against the top of Group B, which would be Leinster against Edinburgh final. I mean, any thoughts, chaps, on the Premiership? I mean, it's been, uh, I guess they, uh, you know, there's been talk about maybe holding triple headers behind closed doors with no no fans and and film them remotely but um it's it's not an easy situation for for any governing body to find themselves in it's very difficult lawrence and and the thing is again we don't know when the the, the lads can start playing again we do not know that we can't even guess it but also then you see you're coming up immediately the uh the summer goes along, you're coming up with these imperatives of playing test matches down under from from impoverished unions. So you haven't got an awful lot of time. And what I, what I would do is just for now, just hold out, hold out, give it another, say, three weeks and see if we can actually 
plot a time when they could start again. Because I think really to to make it a more of a bona fide competition, you do want to play as many games as you can in the, in the season. And I do think you know you, you take somewhere like the, you could say, well, let's take off the top four just to have semis in the final. But again, I mean, current currently at the moment, if you look at it, Northampton in fourth place. Really not playing well at all. Wasps are in fifth place, going like a bomb. Now, if there's one more game in the league, Wasps may well be in fourth, uh, and, and you get so many anomalies then. So I would, I just think they ought to leave it two or three weeks, just see if they can find a starting date after that. And uh, and Owen, you know, we, we've seen that the, the RFU with their various announcements with Eddie Jones, with with all the leagues, championship, etc. What they haven't done thus far is they haven't cancelled any summer tours just yet and they've got one eye on the autumn internationals and they must be hoping and praying you know that, that they'll still go ahead but uh, mm. i mean i mean do you see do you see any international rugby happening across the summer uh, if we were to get things back to some sort of level of normality or do you just think that the knock on effect is that that everyone just has to uh, perhaps think about the collective rather than their own you know their own individual situation there's been quite a lot of talk between all the nations about what to do now. What I'm told is that, is that, is that Southern and Northern Hemisphere are coordinating better than ever, if you like, because mm. well, uh, we all need each other more than ever now. It's, uh, you know, there have been times in the past where the Northern Hemisphere have, have been basically sticking two fingers up to the South saying, you know, we, we want to become big and strong and we're not necessarily out here to help you. Well, we can't do that on our on our own up here anymore. As you say, in England, the RFU, they need those big Twickenham games, save for, for all the games going on at the other Celtic nations. So, so some kind of a solution has to be found out that, that works out for everyone. Uh, I mean, the, the, what, what the chances of, of England going to, to Japan in, in July or or Ireland too. Was it Ireland to Australia and Wales to mm. New Zealand? I think. I mean, that that that. I just. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I'm not quite sure quite how lucrative those games are. So, so the Southern Hemisphere needs to be prioritising getting their season back, and then we've got to get we've got to get some kind of a an autumn or December program or whatever it is. The game needs it for in every respect. Um, just, but but primarily, if that's not the wrong wrong word, but but the, the game needs it for that economic sh- uh, shot in the arm because uh, without those big Twickenham games, the RFU are, are well down, and so is everyone. World Rugby are quite rightly probably they're, they're, they're targeting two nations who are, who are in real real trouble. One is the US who've who filed for bankruptcy. The other one is Australia who've been really struggling for ages. But it is slight, slightly odd that the worst your performance has been, the, the more access you have to funds. I mean. The Australian Rugby Union made such a disastrous mess up of everything down there. They just signed another uh, contract to go in Super Rugby, which none of the players, none of the coaches wanted. And it's it's strange that sometimes you reward people who've not done, not done very well. But on the other hand, we do want to keep Australia and the USA going. But I, I'm sorry, maybe maybe I'm slightly cynical here, but I think that the uh, this this great new bonhomie, uh, as soon as people get around the table and demand home internationals, I think that new sense of spirit of togetherness will go straight out the window. Oh, and you share that sense of. Uh... Uh, I mean, slightly cynical view that uh, people are talking a good game now, but maybe uh, when, when when things get back to normal, they're just uh, 
that self-interest will take over. Sorry, I I, I um, stopped listening for for a little bit there. <laughs> That's quite all right. We were we were very boring anyway, so we, it was nothing we no, were adding no, no, of, no, of significant value. The reason I did that is, is I'm just reading this an interview. I, I was trying to get a hold of this beforehand that Bernard Laporte's given to um, uh, Midi Olympique this morning. Um, we should maybe finish by discussing it a little bit. Um, uh, because he's saying for weeks, he's, so we know Ben Laporte's um, running with Bill Beaumont to be VP to Bill Beaumont's president in the next um, round of elections for world rugby. And um, and he says in this interview, for several weeks I've been working with Bill Beaumont on the restructuring of the International Canada and create a new window dedicated to clubs, which would allow the creation of new international competition, the Club World Cup. This will be included in our manifesto, which will be sent to said this week to all the federations. That's quite good, isn't it? Just what we needed in a, in a, in, in a schedule where it's absolutely <laughs> locked up tight and, and it, it's tighter than the, than the t- tin sardines. Just what we wanted is another competition. Well done, Bernard. I'm just, I'm just reading the, the interview here. So, so the, the, the questioner says, um, well, what about the European Cup? And uh, Bernard Laporte says, it would disappear, that's for sure. We don't want to over, overload the calendar. He says, European competition is magnificent. With Toulon, I was able to, deli- to lift the trophy three times. I know what it can represent. But let's be frank, it does not generate enough income. For a tournament that's just a, celebrating its, its 25th anniversary, you know, I, I, I would, I'm often asked, you know, what are the games? That, and, and I know this isn't a financial question, and that's what he's alluding to. It's more around the finances, but there is no doubt that the games that, that, that myself and I'm sure I've spoken to many colleagues and peers around the world, the, the, the games that I've played in that competition are without doubt the games that I remember for the rest of my life. And I include the Rugby World Cup final and I include uh, any British and Irish Lions tours in that. So, so to and, and having reflected, you know, over the weekend on some of the games, and there'll be more of the great, you know, tussles between Leinster and, and featuring some of the other, Toulouse, some of the other great names, Leicester, you know, I would, I'd be, I'd be horrified if that tournament was, uh, was just carted to one side for the sake of money. That's for sure. But Lawrence, what, what, what about the other option that you're being offered here of, of, um, a, 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 a club world cup? There's lots of good ideas being promoted. I mean, now the, the, the nations, the nations, uh, the Nations Cup that the World Rugby were, were, were looking into very seriously and, and the money was on the table to, to get that off the ground. I mean, that probably retrospectively now looks like a, a pretty good idea, doesn't it, really? I mean, because every... I mean, what that would have done maybe is redistribute the funds more equitably around the world and you wouldn't have this kind of anomaly that exists with the Pacific Nations, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, listen, there's lots, of, there's lots of very good ideas um, and I'm just sort of thinking back to, to the to having Mark Evans on our podcast a little while ago. There's no doubt that, that there's conversations going on behind closed doors over the phone uh, around what, what the future of rugby might look like. But we do need the game does need to stop for a second, reset itself. And I think financially, it's, it's living beyond its means. Now, a lot of people might say, well, every sport does that. But just if I look at just what happens in this country, um, you know, it, it, it does need to reset itself and it does need to get a grip in terms of, of the direction it's heading in. So, uh, yeah, listen, it's, it, it's certainly an interesting debate. Jonesy, I, I wanted to finish with, uh, I mean, there's been lots of news stories uh, across rugby in the last couple of weeks, but one that, that, that stuck out for me Dougie Morgan, the former Scotland and Lions scrum half, died at the age of 73. He played in two test matches in the 77 Lions series against the All Blacks. Uh, Also coached Scotland for a couple of years, having been part of 
the team that won the Grand Slam. I mean, there's no one better on this particular podcast to to look back someone like that than your good self. So just a, a quick tribute to, to to Dougie Morgan, if you would. First of all, he was a lo- he's a lovely fella, really talented because a little bit like um, um, Laidlaw, but, but possibly a bit quicker. He could play the all-round scrum half game, but he's also an excellent kicker. Uh, he's a really lovely bloke. He's a w- he was a worthy lion. Uh, he came in an era when they had uh, Scotland had these raw bone rucking forwards, Lawrence, and with Dougie at the, at the at the base of them, he he was just tremendous. And he was a, he was a you know he, whenever anyone goes, you all say what a lovely guy he was. He was a genuine lovely guy. And I I, I remember him for, uh, mostly for for he made an incredible decision uh, once in the Scotland game. Scotland were was sort of one of the favourites to win the the Five Nations that it would have been then. In their first game, they were trading by three points with uh, I think something like you know two minutes to go. And uh, then Scotland got a kick in front of the posts. And Morgan has decided, rather than take the the, the draw that was there, uh, obvious there, and it, it really was. I mean, I could have put it over with my left foot. It was so easy. They uh, they carried on playing. And um, I think they took a tap penalty. And they didn't then draw the game. And it was a huge, huge debate. And Scotland followers, they, they came down on both sides of the argument. I just thought it was a it was a sort of heroic gesture, the sort of thing you might have done in the 1920s. I mean, imagine doing that now. You know, you'd, you'd probably still take the... Uh, you probably still take the, 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 the draw every time. So I remember him, Dougie Morgan, doing that. And it just seemed to me that he was a, he was a free spirit in the way he did it. Wonderful. Um, guys, is there anything else we, you, we want to discuss? Yeah. It's very sad, um, really. Uh, Stuart Barnes, our colleague, uh, has completely gone. He's lost it now. He's gone, <laughs> he's gone bonkers. When Barnsley was playing for Bath, the most hateful thing in the world and think he detested and almost refused to play in it was the divisional championship between North West, London and um, uh, Midlands. Barnsley hated it. He reviled it. He's made fun of it ever since, still hating it. It had crowds of about an average of about two men and a dog. This morning in the Times, he's declared that this was the way we should have gone all along. This is a man who won 22 titles with Bath. He now wants the divisional championship. So, a slotty, we should send someone round there, a psychiatrist, uh, and just make sure the poor old lad is still is still going. Honestly, <laughs> is he struggling with the isolation a bit. You reckon? Well, I think he is. I mean, he ought he ought to be in isolation after the virus has gone. If he's coming out with that rubbish. He's obviously had the same attack that you had when the Saracen story broke. So clearly, you, could rec- <laughs> you, you can you can recommend someone to uh, to help him a little bit, really. So I'll be uh, give me two or three weeks, and I'll be returning to the story. Don't worry. <laughs> Lawrence, you poked the old bear there, mate. Well, I know. My thanks to Owen Scott and Stephen Jones. We will continue to make the ruck every Monday for as long as we possibly can. Stay safe, everyone. Stay well. Have as happy an Easter as you can. And we'll be back next week. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. 
In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.